there's a weight of glory. Make sure you plug in. 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 Ali Mandala Bariatale. Ula Bariatala Bondele Brasis. Ali Mane Kediana. that we have been in your presence. Holy Spirit, let Jesus be glorified tonight. Thank you for we know you answer prayers. In Jesus' awesome name, we have prayed. Praise God, you may be seated. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. You're welcome to Bible study tonight. We trust that Jesus will do us good tonight. I'm trusting the Lord that I'll be able to find the accurate language to communicate what it is he has put in my spirit for this new series but I will just follow him tonight and see how he helps us quickly a few announcements um, as usual until we are done with building our new place, every time I'm here, 
I'll remind us that we are making sacrificial commitments financially for the building of our permanent structure. So if you have not yet given for that project, please, it is an appeal that you join us to labor sacrificially at this time. I salute those of you that have been giving, making sacrifice. The Lord God will bless you in the name of Jesus. Like I've been saying, if you've been listening to me, that in the life of every church, there will be seasons of intense sacrifice. Financial, material, physical, so that the things that God has shown in visions can become reality in the earth. For RCN Worry, we are in such a season now. So you give, you give again, you keep giving as the Lord has blessed you. Once the project is over, we would have crossed that phase and moved into other things. Right now, we want to start the foundation, but we are short of our target and it's a sincere appeal that you join us and make this happen as quickly as possible so that the Lord will be glorified in our city. Praise God. Some days ago, the Lord added to our company a baby boy. Praise God. Pastor Mine and his lovely wife welcomed a baby. Praise the Lord. I know why some of you are not clapping. You don't know what it means to go to the labor room. It is a mighty, mighty miracle. And we thank God for always showing us mercy. So we have a lot of September babies now. Uh, hmm. Okay, let me now say what I wanted to say. Because the person I wanted to talk about will not like it. So let me leave it. <laughs> Praise God. Are you ready tonight? Luke chapter 18. Verse 1. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Okay, let me read from verse 1 so that you will understand the context in which this scripture is written. Although if you really want to understand what is happening in Luke chapter 18, you actually need to start reading from Luke chapter 17. Because if you notice, the way the scripture begins, it says, then. Do you see that? It says, then. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. It means that what the Lord was going to discuss here was a consequence of what he had been discussing previously. That's why this portion of scripture begins with what? 
then. So, uh, to help you understand what it is that God has put in my heart tonight, I have to um, do a commentary. In Luke chapter 17, you will find that Jesus was speaking to them about his second coming. In Luke chapter 17. He was telling them of the things that will happen before the Son of Man will return a second time. So in that discourse, God was telling them many things that were heartbreaking. That some will lose their lives, two will be grinding, one will be taking. There will be a lot of persecution, there will be intense um, sadness and sorrow, so to speak, that will characterize the signs indicative of the fact that the Lord will soon return. So it seems to me that because of those things that Jesus had said, their hearts were broken. So in a bid to encourage them, he now says, then he spoke a parable to them that your response to such a revelation should not be a broken heart. It should be what? Prayer. Are you with me? Okay, let's, because some people's face looks like I just spoke Greek. Um, 1725. 1725. Media, help me please. 1725. Ah. Okay. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. 26. I'm looking for something. And as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. 27. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. 28. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. 29. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. 30. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Are you with me? 31. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember, Lord's word, 33, whoever seeks to save his life will what? And whoever loses his life will preserve. I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be left. 35. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. 36. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken and the other left. I think 37 is the last verse. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles be gathered together. So they were wondering, where will the person be taken to? How is it that two will be together, one will leave, one will be left? Their hearts were troubled. 
It was on the basis of this entire discourse that Luke 18 verse 1 is now introduced. It now says, then. If you are going to survive those days, it's not for you to become morose and emotional. It says, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. But that's not even where I'm going. I'm just doing all of that to be able to make you understand the things that I'm going to teach. Verse 2. Now there was a widow in that city saying there was in the city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that. Who is on this thing? Who is on this thing? The person should get up from there. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them? Eight. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? That's my question tonight. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? You see, for days the Lord has put a pressure on my spirit. I have questioned many things. For instance, it's almost as if Mavis jumped into my lecture notes or into my thoughts when he was leading prayers. In fact, as he was leading prayers, I was telling my wife, this is my man. Because I've tried to look at the church and I've asked myself specific questions. What is the agenda of the church? What are we really doing? Okay, so we attend church on Sunday. We attend church midweek. To what end? What are we trying to achieve? When you joined your denomination, what exactly was the vision that was shown that this is where we are going? You've been there now maybe three years, five years, ten years. Exactly what have we achieved? What is the agenda of the church? I remember once I traveled with one of my sons or we traveled to preach somewhere. And he came to me in the room and he began to ask me pertinent questions. He said, okay, daddy... You keep talking about revival, revival, revival. So after worry is totally saved, what next? When we no longer have prostitutes on the street, when everybody now begins, is the goal to get everybody to attend church. What next? What is the agenda of the Christian faith, really? What do we want to accomplish? And you see, the reason I'm asking these questions is if you check carefully, the menu that is being served in church, you will find out that, that that menu does not have capacity to answer the question of the Lord. Will he find faith on the earth when he returns? Will he find? 
Will he have men who have surrendered themselves to him in such a way that he has become the very reason for which they live? Will he find faith in the earth? You know that this thing is not in connection necessarily to the woman who was asking in prayer. Because the woman's posture in prayer was not necessarily faith. It was persistence. So why does Jesus now switch and begin to talk about faith in this discourse? Because he was using that to bring comfort to their hearts. But this is a continuation of the matter that he was speaking about when he was speaking about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Because all you need to do is go and check carefully and you will find out that in the days of Noah, when God decided to destroy the earth, eh, as we are plenty here, that is how they were plenty in the earth. They were given in marriage, they were getting married, and yet in an entire generation, only eight men were found worthy. Eight. Eight. In an entire generation, only eight men were found worthy. Okay, let's see it in scripture. Genesis chapter 6. Give me verse 6. Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. Just stay with me tonight. I hope I can find what it is that God wants me to say. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Seven. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Eight. But Noah did what? Grace. So Noah, his wife, Abi is his wife now, his, his, his wife, his son, his wife, his son, his wife, eight people alone in an entire generation. Eight people. So if you superimpose this with what Jesus was saying in Luke chapter 18, the question is when the Son of Man returns. Because that whole matter is about the return of the Son of Man. When he returns, will he find faith in the earth? Because remember, brother, that God will no longer destroy the earth because of the iniquity of man. So he's not going to destroy the earth. So when he comes, everybody who is immoral, everybody who is careless, everybody who is living anyhow will still be around. Among that company, how many Noahs will he find? And you know the thing that struck me about the life of Noah was I went to study Noah carefully. Imagine Raphael having a message from God and preaching it for 100 years. Noah preached for a hundred years. Just go and study. In that one hundred years, not one person joined him in that labor. Only eight men. There's a prayer Mavis was praying today that I think any young person in worry should be praying. That Lord, if it's my life you need to save worry, take it. Take it. Consume it. Let it be an offering on your altar. Will the Lord find faith on the earth? You know the kind of faith he's talking about here? 
is the kind of faith that looks beyond your current reality. It's the kind of faith that is driven by your understanding that there is something greater than now. It's the kind of faith that is anchored on God in such a way that it affects the way you live on a daily basis. It's a kind of faith that is driven by a burden. When you read about Noah, why did Noah decide that everybody in his generation was going to be immoral, was going to be lascivious, was going to be careless, but Noah made up his mind that he will not join them? What was it that happened to Noah? What was it that happened to Noah? How come Lot was living in a city that was overladen and with corruption and immorality, but he raised his daughters and they were still virgins? How come? What did these people encounter in God that altered their appetites, altered their lives? You don't know the import of what I'm trying to express to you. That God looked up. The whole earth, it was not just Jerusalem. The whole earth, he found only eight men worthy to enter the ark. God was sorry that he had created man. But when he looked at Noah, he found comfort. One man. And Noah was so disciplined, so detailed, that what happened to him affected his children. He entered into that ark with his family. You see, the challenge with the body of Christ right now is, there's a, there's a sense of arrival that has hit the body of Christ, that has made it impossible for God to express his heart to us. There's a sense of we have accomplished something fantastic. That we are better than our fathers. So God is no longer able to communicate the depth of his heart to us. So we are growing in numbers. We are expanding in physical structures. But you see, men that can bear the burden of the Lord are very scarce. When the Lord was putting this scripture in my heart, I began to ask him, how many of us really are in the city of worry? How many? How many of us are here? Maybe we are just coming to church, uh, getting excited, doing ga, 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 ga. And God looks at us. Only five are giving him comfort. Only five. Because it gets to a point that where God will determine that what it is he wants to do in a generation, he will only do with men who have known how to bear his burdens. Men who have aligned with his heart. Because the time will come, just like in the days of Noah and Lord, it will not be an emotional decision. God will look upon men and determine, will I still find faith in the earth? Let me show you an example of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's just follow the Holy Ghost. Hebrews chapter 11. Give me verse... Give me 28. Let's see if we can start at 28. No, 29. 
30. Uh-huh. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days, 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the, sp- the, sp- the spies with peace, 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to, talk of, to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, walked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens, 35. Women received their dead raised to life. Others were what? Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. 36. Still, others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. 37. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. This is the picture of people's faith. They were tortured, they were stoned, they were cut in two. Some were in goat skins, some were in sheep skins. They wandered in deserts and mountains. But the Bible says, of whom the world was not worthy. This is the kind of faith Jesus is asking. Will there still be faith in the earth when I return? You see, brethren, we are entering into seasons in the body of Christ whereby God will begin to demand life from men in defense of their faith. Don't be angry with me. This is the way I talk. And I talk like this because I have received feedback. God will begin to demand life. Your very life will be put on the line. And in those days, if there has not become, if there is not something greater than this realm that is driving your life, you will find out that you will deny Jesus. You will deny Jesus. There is nothing wrong with seeking comfort in this realm. There is nothing wrong in seeking um, the good things of this life. So that you can, you can, your life everywhere goes still. There is nothing wrong. But you see, if that is all you have, and your life is not driven by God's body, a time will come when you will demand that life from you. And you will not be able to sustain what it is that you claim to profess. There is no man, if you check through scriptures, that lived, that made contact with God and did not leave that encounter with a body. That body totally altering his life. Nobody wants to speak about in scripture that was not driven by something that came out of the belly of God. My question is, what is driving the Nigerian church? I I don't know, but you are free to send me a message later and tell me what is driving the Nigerian church. After all said and done, 
What exactly are we going to look like after 10 years? 10 years from now, what are we going to look like? What exactly will God have accomplished in Nigeria because the church of God is in Nigeria after 10 years from now? What exactly will you become? What exactly will you become? If you sit in that congregation for the next 10 years, what will you look like in 10 years? Be honest with me. You see, it's, 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 it's a meeting where we can share. They can bring Mike to you. Be honest. In the last, since January till now, what have you been hearing from the pulpit? Exactly. Is it not everything that has to do with your comfort, with your, with your, with your expansion in this realm? Have they been able to show you that there is more to this life? And if your faith is in things that are in this realm, you are of all men most miserable. Is it not about healing? Is it not about breakthrough? Is it not about financial expansion? Is it not about conquering the mountains? When last did they speak to you about the fact that it is possible that a time will come where your faith will be on the line? The way we are now, can we survive persecution? The church of Jesus Christ now, can we survive persecution? If God decides that he wants to put us through the furnace right now, the sweet incense was singing, he will never leave me, he will never forsake me. When I go to the fire, oh my God, very beautiful. But you see, the kind of seasons we are entering, you will go through that fire, it will burn you. Mm. It will burn you. Let's see whether you will still be able to go through fire that is burning you and you will say, Jesus is Lord. Let's see if you are hungry, you will not compromise to steal to feed yourself. Let's see if they can leave you alone with a brother or a sister in a room and you know that you will not be caught, that nobody will ever know what happens behind that door. Let's see what you will do. That you are left with a brother and a, a, a sister in a room and they announce that no, nobody will know and the world is about to end. What will be on your mind? When the Son of Man returns, Will he find faith in the earth? So first thing I need to do tonight is explain to you what the burden of the Lord is. Because, you see, Holy Spirit help me. You see, if you study the lives of all these people, these people that were sown asunder, these people that wandered in goat skins and sheep skins, the reason they were like this, they were afflicted with a body. They lived beyond themselves. Their lives no longer mattered. Something from the realm of God had entered into their space and altered them beyond repair. They could no longer be cured. They could not be cured. So what is 
the burden of the Lord. The first thing is, the burden of the Lord is a weight from the realm of God on your spirit. A weight. A weight. Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. It's a weight from the realm of God upon your spirit. Now, when I say weight, what do I mean? Now, God might have a purpose, an intention that he wants to achieve in the visible realm. But because of the way he has designed both realms, God cannot invade the visible realm without the partnership of man. Are you with me? So, God needs man to co-labor with him to see his agenda fulfilled in the earth. So when he finds someone who is willing, who is in alignment with him, part of the way the Spirit of God communicates the plans and the purposes of God to people who are in alignment is that he communicates with burdens. Burdens are languages of the Spirit. And what a burden is, is that all of a sudden, you will feel a weight. This weight is different from what we call heaviness. Are you here? Yes, sir. There is something called spiritual heaviness. That one is a cloak of darkness. What spiritual heaviness does to you is that it cripples your spiritual life. It doesn't allow you engage in the things you will normally engage in so that you will make progress on the path of spiritual progress. That's spiritual heaviness. That one is the one the Lord takes and he gives you a, a garment of joy. That one is a weight from darkness to restrain, to restrict, to discourage your advancement in God. That's heaviness. You will find that if you are afflicted by spiritual heaviness, your prayer life will be crippled. If you are affected by spiritual heaviness, the joy of salvation will be crippled. If you are afflicted by spiritual heaviness, discouragement will be like a, an armed man that has decided to take possession of your soul. That's heaviness. You will be feeling like you are heavy in the spirit and you cannot engage in the normal spiritual disciplines you are engaging. That's not a burden. That is from Satan. A burden does not cripple you. The intention of a burden is to inspire, is to set you on fire, is to provoke you to act on God's behalf. That's the intention of a burden. So if it is a burden, it's supposed to be fuel for your prayer life. If it is a burden, it's supposed to drive you to God. That's the difference. That's how you will know whether it is from Satan or it's from God. From God, it is called a burden. From Satan, it is called what? Heaviness. So a burden is a weight. Something that God imprints upon your spirit such that you become restless. You know that except you respond to that burden, you will not have peace. You will not have rest. 
It's like you hearing the cries of God in the middle of the night. You find yourself going to prayer. You find yourself surrendering all that you have to Him so that you can collaborate with Him to see His agenda fulfilled. Without burden bearers, an agenda of God can be suspended in a generation. Imagine that God did not find Noah. Imagine. That there was nobody to take on the burden. It took Noah 100 years to preach and be building the ark. 100 years of obedience. 100 years. You don't, you don't understand what was happening there. Can you imagine that you are building an ark? Not months, so years. And every time people come to you, they say, Noah, what are you doing? Say the flood is coming. They will laugh. Say this guy is high on cheap drugs. Can you imagine his story going all around the city? That there's one foolish man building an ark. And you know the funny thing about that thing? Noah can go inside and cry and say, God, just show some clouds in the morning. Sun will even shine in the night. In the night, when they come outside, there will be bright sunlight. So, there is no sign to show that what the prophet has spoken is true. So, you will be alone. The only thing you will have is that there is a burden. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I sense the weight of his glory now. The only thing you will have is that there is a, there's a burden. That's the only thing that will keep you. Noah never deviated, never turned his back. He will wake up every day and go through the same routines. Men will come and will say, a flood is coming. He couldn't stop building. Day after day, day after day, day after day. Can you imagine the joy when God came and said, enter. I will shut the door from outside. Can you imagine the joy? He had stayed faithful. And the only thing that kept Noah was a body. You can't live without a body. The reason you are rising and falling, the reason you are making excuses for all kinds of things happening around your life, the reason you are making excuses for prayerlessness is basically because there is nobody. You've heard us say it many times. A sinning man cannot pray. And a praying man will not sin. You know what prayerlessness does to you? Prayerlessness is the foil that resurrects your old life. Prayerlessness. Everything God has dealt with you on the minute you become prayerless, you grant access for your old life to resurrect. That's why you will find that you are attending church, but you are still lost. Those people who watch Big Brother Nigeria, you see the donces that are in the house. Donces, dons. 
And somebody does not know the product of 11 and 7. He just wants to win 120 million and he's touching breast and buttocks. And people watch Big Brother Nigeria. That is what we are showing people that are models. They can't. Product of 11 and 7. Even Annabelle. Annabelle. We answer that one. But you see, we have become a generation that has no burdens. So things like prayer suffer. And once prayer dies, your old life will resurrect. That's why you are struggling. The easiest way, bro, to build a prayer life is to pray from a body. Pray from a body. Pray from a body. That's how these men lived. That's how they survived. Look at Moses. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight? That you have done what? Laid the burden of all these people on me. When you receive this kind of burden, it alters your life. It's like an affliction. You can't sleep in the night. Prayer will be calling your name. You know some of you pretend that you love your family members. That love is washed. It, is, it, is it does not run deep. That's why you have not received a burden for that your younger brother that is in Yahoo. If you receive a burden, it will drive you to a fast. It will drive you to intense intercessions in the night. I was telling a brother who came to see me in Asaba. I stepped out of my hotel room. I said, let me go and have dinner in the restaurant. When I travel, whether I'm preaching or I'm doing anything, I don't come out. That hotel room is enough for me. I don't come out. I stay there. You will not see me on the road doing... I stay there. I don't want anything to afflict my soul. But I just decided, okay, let me go to the restaurant and have dinner. Because it was a very, very, a four-star hotel. So I expected that the place would be decent. Then I entered the restaurant. I was like, Lord, I afflicted my, my poor soul. My poor soul. I started looking at my food. I had to keep my eyes on the food. Lest I raise my eyes and lose my salvation. And the, the pain I left the restaurant with is that, and these are people's children. How did we get here? How did we get here? Thank God I was wearing my t-shirt. I came by prayer. <laughs> I will stay in prayer. And when I leave this world, so in case you look at the man of God with glasses, you say, now fine man, you want you just say, I came my prayer. <laughs> How did we get to that point? And you know the painful thing is, those people that filled that place, they'll be in churches on Sunday morning. Moses was asking the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? A burden is a weight. It's like an affliction. 
it will give you no rest. You see, if you don't have a burden from which your life takes reference, I'm telling you, you will waste your life. You will live for nothing. And when your convictions will be tested, you will not have answers. I'm telling you for free. This is why you will find that people have been in church all their lives and then they get to a certain place and then small pressure. They succumb. And you say, but this brother, I cannot imagine. How could this brother have done this? It's because their lives did not have a reference from the realm of God. There was no burden powering it. You see, you have laid the burden on all, of all these people on me. Go to the next verse. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom? My God. As a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their father. So Moses, you saw a man. Eh? But Moses was like a pregnant man. He was like a nursing mother. His nomenclature in the spirit, he was just telling Jesus his shape. He was telling the Lord his shape. He said, I'm like a guard, I'm like a nursing mother. Thousands of people, I'm carrying them like a baby. He said, am I the one who gave birth to them? You find a Christian that does not feel pain in their heart by the things that trouble God. I show you a Christian that has no body. You find a Christian that all he's thinking about, all his life, has to do with his personal comfort, personal agenda, personal ambition. He didn't meet God. And you see, I have no apologies. If you meet God, eh, and you walk with him steadily, he will afflict you with his burdens. Because God is desperate for co-laborers. As much as he wanted to bring Israel out of Egypt, he could not do it without a man. Eh? He could not do it. He needed a man in the earth that would partner with him. A man that would carry them in, their, in his bosom. That's why he loved Moses. And it's because he loved Moses, he dealt with Moses the way he dealt with Moses. That when Moses strayed, he struck him. He will not enter Canaan. You cannot have been so proximous to me like this. And I've shown you things I have close to other prophets. And you make such a silly mistake. He took Moses' body. The Lord buried a man. The Lord. Nobody knows where Moses' body is. Because God was the one that conducted his burial. And when God wanted to introduce, show Jesus' glory to all the to men. A man that appeared there was Moses. To let you know that though he killed him. He's still in... He's good books. He's not Moses that was cast away. He's Moses that was preserved. Because if he had left him like that, he would do something else. So he took him. He took him. Have you encountered this kind of burden? What burden drives your life? What burden drives your life? A burden is a weight. It's in your spirit. Is like foil for your prayer altar. So if everybody can pass, um, people who are unbelievers, you cannot pass and not be afflicted. You hear of things that are happening in other nations, you can't sleep in the night. 
You are one that fights for the glory of the Lord. There's this beautiful story in the book of Numbers. The Bible says that Israel was committing harlotry with the children of Moab. So much idolatry and prostitution. They were sleeping with the prostitutes of the, of the idol of Moab. The men were sleeping with strange women, corrupting Israel. And then the Lord spoke. And everybody was at the tabernacle, weeping, crying, have mercy on us. And the Bible says one young man, in the sight of all the people, is a terrible thing to have somebody that, is not a, that does not have a body around your life. The person is a disaster waiting to happen. Everybody else is afflicted with a body, crying. He was in town looking for the next babe. And then he carried her. He did not even pass where people will not see him. A bodiless life is a useless life. He didn't even hide. Say, so let's pass back. The Bible says, in the sight of all Israel, he carried the girl. Eh? And they entered into the tent. But Phineas was there. A man of strange body. And the Bible says he took a spear. They have been crying, no? God turned his back on them. He said, I know you people. After crying, you will go and do it again. You are not people of burdens. This is not repentance, it is remorse. You are just remorseful because you know I'm going to punish you. Your tears are fake. He turned his back, but Phineas was restless. It was like a weight came upon him. He grabbed a spear and went into the tent. The man was already engaging in immorality. He drove it through the man and the woman. The strange thing about that scripture, the Bible says, and the anger of the Lord was turned. Hmm. What if Phineas stayed there? What if there was no man that could respond to the burden in the heart of God? You see, dear brothers, dear sisters, I don't want to be burdenless. You see what drives my life? It's a burden. I don't know why I'm like this. But you see, I am in prayer sometimes and all I will do throughout is I will be crying. Tears will be falling from my eyes. Lord, why are you showing me these kind of things? It looks as if I'm fighting everybody. Why am I not content with the way Christianity is in my generation? Am I sick? What is wrong with me? Just the way Moses was asking the Lord, why have you chosen to afflict me? And then sometimes, when I will get messages from people, it's those messages that encourage my heart. I get strange messages from people countries, nations of the world that it was your teaching I heard and I vowed 
I will serve Jesus till I die. So I go back and I say, Lord, just help me. These things are not easy to teach. You think I don't like to teach something else? For days now, he will not let me sleep. He said, my people don't even know what I want from them. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know that there is something more beyond this life. He wants you to co-labor with him. There are matters in the heart of God. He can't find partners in the earth. There are no knowers. Every man is drinking, getting married, going to parties. Our church services sometimes are like, are like glorified clubs. Music everywhere. And it looks like God came. But meanwhile, God's agenda has not found expression in the earth. And yet we are multiplying. We are increasing in numbers. But men like Moses who can carry a generation like a nursing father. Like a guardian are lacking. A body is a weight. Give me Isaiah chapter 30, verse 27. Oh, 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 oh. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger, and his body is what? It's heavy. Show me a Christian that is prayerless. I will show you a Christian that lives without a body. You can't be a bodied man and not pray. It's impossible. You will cry in the bus. You will cry in class. You will be in places sometimes. You will just find under one tree. And you will sit there. No words coming out of your mouth. Groans burning in your heart. If men of bodies don't rise, we can't take our nation. There's not much we can do. I know you are broke. Where I preached this morning, the man of God was about to close service. And he said God had given him specific instructions for the new week. Based on the prayer program they just did. Then he said, if you don't have transport. I was waiting for him to say, and because it's important, if you don't have transport, I will give you transport. They say, if you don't have transport, trek. Oh, joy flooded my heart. I say, now so, trek! We have raised a generation of people who comfort has crippled us. Crippled us. We used to trek to meetings, trek. And trek back. Transport. If God has told me, go to that meeting, I will trek there. I will pray and lose energy. Then I'll be encouraging myself that as I'm trekking back, I'm claiming the territory. So I used to trek. There's a way to trek. It's a skill. It's a technology. Mm. You, set, you set milestones. You will see an electric pole in front. You say, when I get there, I'm almost home. Then you have another milestone. 
you trek with wisdom. Mm. As you are trekking, the milestone is in front. You get there in 30 minutes, then you look up. You say, I'm almost home. And the home is still one hour away. But you have set milestones. You trek in the rain. Trek in the sun. But now there are no bodies. And are we wondering why immorality wants to finish our generation? Compromise wants to kill us. Because men don't have a weight. There's no heavy finger of God upon your heart. A burden is a weight. Number two. I, I need to sing that song, but I can't remember it. Just keep playing. I need to sing that song. Oh. Yes, number two. A burden is a message you receive from the realm of God. It can be a vision. It can be a spoken word. It can be from the mouth of a man that God has sent. A burden is a message. Give me Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 1. Oh, la barakavida. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk did what? Give me an NLT. 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 What does it say? This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received what? So the burden is a message. And the way God can communicate that message to you is that he will communicate it to you through a what? A vision. The whole idea of him showing you that picture is not so that you will take on the title of a prophet. It's so that you will don the garb of an intercessor. Every Christian is expected to be prophetic. That means your sight and your hearing should be beyond the natural. You should be able to see into the realm of God. You are supposed to hear the things, the mysteries that exist in the realm of God. But not every Christian is called to sit in the office of a prophet. That you are prophetic does not mean you are a prophet. So many people, the reason that they've no longer received messages from the Lord is that the last time God gave you a message, you took it upon yourself that you had to tell the body of Christ. Meanwhile, he didn't send you to the body of Christ. The reason he gave you the message was so that you will bend the knee and pray. So that you will stand in the place of intercession. If what he showed you is a good matter, then you can demand from the Lord, bring it to pass. If what he showed you is a matter of life and death, of judgment, you can stand as a breach and say, have mercy, Lord. The reason he came to talk to you is so that you will be like Abraham. You will say, Lord, if you find ten, will you still destroy the city? But many, there are two categories of Christians. Those that see and they are quick to come and say what God meant to be private. And then there are those that see and do not do anything at all. So God has seen that your life is a dream. 
He has shown you once. He has shown you twice. He has shown you three times. It has never provoked you to prayer. So he has taken his assignment. He's looking for another man. Looking for another man. The burden is a message. If you read certain scriptures in Isaiah, you will see where the Bible says that the Lord begins to unveil burdens concerning cities. Give me Isaiah 13 verse 1. 13 verse 1. 13 verse 1. 13 verse 1. Isaiah 13 verse 1. Isaiah son of Amos received the burden against Babylon which Isaiah the son of Amos what? The burden. And remember the burden is what? The message. Give me 15 verse 1. 15 verse 1. 15 verse 1. The burden against who? Moab. Because in the night hour of Moab is laid waste and destroyed. Because in the night care of Moab is laid waste. And give me 17 verse 1. 17 verse 1. The burden against who? Damascus. Behold, he's now speaking the burden. Damascus will cease from being a city. And it will be what? So it's a message. What burden have you received concerning worry? What burden have you received concerning Delta State? Maybe that's even too large. What burden have you received concerning your family? You need to rise in the spirit and begin to see your family from the realm of the spirit. Receive a burden. And on the basis of that burden, begin to engage intercession. Engage intercession. Until the things you have seen, if they are not good things, until they be shifted. And if they are good things, until they be established. That's why we don't have intercessors. We have people who love to pray, but we don't have men who have the grace of intercession. You can't be an intercessor without a burden. It's impossible. You think you can do 10 hours personally by yourself without a body? You will rattle, you will make noise. You will think about rice. For 3 hours, you will think you are praying. It's roasted corn that is in your mind. Roasted corn. I guarantee you. The reason you will stay there for 10 hours engrossed in God, you will not even know time is passing. It's because you are praying from the place of a burden. Hmm. When I was preparing this message, the Lord began to say to me that this is what men like Father Nash had. It was a burden. That's why they groaned. There was no language to interpret it. No language. It was like pain. Have you felt pain in your spirit before? Pain. Pain in your spirit. It's not pain on your hand though. In your spirit, you can't. You, there's no way to to massage it. Eh? You know, if there's pain on your knee, you can put a, a neurogesic. Eh? You can put balm. You can put put a boniki. When it's in your spirit, you oh my God! Only a spirit can heal it. Pain. You 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 will you will try to turn like this on the bed. Turn like you will sit in the corner. Eh? Nothing can heal it. It's a wound. Only the great, the only way to bring ventilation is that you will respond in prayer. You begin to cry his tears. 
burdens will alter your life. One man the, the Lord uses to, used to teach me the way of a burdened man, the way of a burdened man, is John the Baptist. <laughs> John the Baptist was a picture of what happens to a man when you are consumed by a body. John the Baptist. Bro, the body affected his diet, affected his wardrobe, affected his housing. He was born into the line of Aaron. What an honor! Men in his day would have done anything to have that privilege. A Levite. Ah! And not only that, his father was high priest. He came from a lineage of priests. So he was in line to become a priest himself. And then God approached him. You know what I was asking earlier today when I came back from my ministration? I lay on the bed. I was asking the Lord, what happened in John's heart? What happened? The Bible says it was in the wilderness until the day of his showing. No good accommodation, no good food, no good clothes. Do you know that it's today I, I decided to check how long was John's ministry? Eh? Public ministry. How long did John do ministry? I read books. I read the scriptures probably only one year. One year. When Jesus came out of the cave, eh, he was 30. When he met John, he was 30. So John was 30 years old and six months. Before Jesus appeared, probably John had done ministry for only one year. Yet, the Bible says, of all the men born of a woman, they had not risen a prophet as great as John the Baptist. A man burdened. Bro, he didn't marry. Didn't eat the nice things of his generation. In fact, you would think that such a great prophet, when... Um, Herodias' daughter wanted to kill him. Jesus should have been angry. Or God should have come out of heaven with a chariot with 199 angels and say, you can't kill him. A great prophet, his head was put on a platter. Heaven did not shake. It was not an emergency in heaven. Hmm. Oh God, if I don't marry this year, it's not an emergency. It's not an emergency. People are laughing at me. People are laughing at me. He's telling you that his kingdom is wasting. You come there, you say, Lord, I'm, I'm suffering. Poverty wants to kill me. You say, oh, Kesena souls are perishing. Prostitutes are dying. Nations are swallowed up in immorality. You say, oh God, but I'm not each up. He say, but I cannot conquer kingdoms. You are not as important to him as his agenda for the invasion of a people. 
If in your poverty he will be glorified, it will not be an emergency in heaven. That's what I'm saying to you. I know they don't want us to preach like this. That's why thieves are in our ranks. Thieves. Is there prosperity in this kingdom? Yes. Is there breakthrough? Yes. Can God heal the sick? Yes. I was in Asaba. Those of you who followed the meeting, you would have heard the testimony. It's not, it's not fabricated. A man called his father in that meeting. He put the phone on speaker. And a tumor vanished from the father's belly. In Asaba. It's there. It's online. Go and check it. I know the God of whom I preach. He can heal the sick. But if your death will bring him glory, you will, he will rather that you die. And we are running away from these streets. So we don't have men that bear bodies. We don't have men that bear bodies. John was in the wilderness. Can you imagine John's mother? She would have cried day and night, weeping. Son that she waited for. Her neighbors were mocking her to the extent that when her testimony was announced, the Bible recorded it for her benefit. That her friends and her neighbors heard, family members heard, that the Lord had shown her great mercy. You know why the Bible needed to record it? Those were the people that were mocking her. They heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. And then only for her to receive the child. And as the child is coming of age, the child just finds out that he cannot fit in. He cannot fit in. What other men his age want? He doesn't want. You have time to be chatting with a girl and doing sex chat. It's because you don't have a body. Your life is wasting. You have time to be building falsehood around your life. And pursuing the mundane. It's because you don't have a body. In these three, four series, I want to show you the body of the Lord. I will speak about the coming of the Lord next week. And I will show you that if you don't prepare yourself for suffering, you will not survive what is coming. If food still has a hold over your soul, food, food will become your undoing. They will use it to cripple you. If money has a hold over your soul, in the days of the tribulation, money will become your undoing. Men of bodies, God strips them. He strips them. There's nothing in this realm that you offer them that compares in value to what they have with God. Nothing. This is what the church fathers had. I was, I was listening to a preacher today. He was saying that church history tells us that in the early days of the church, they fasted at least twice a week as a church. Every week, the early church. At least twice a week, every week, corporately. It's something that was handed over from generation to generation. Where did it get lost? Where did it get lost? That now we go to church and what they show us are idols. Idols of self. Idols of the world. Idols of lust.
and so we are weak men. You can't kill a man that bears body so. Is if God wants him to die that you can kill him. Hmm. You cannot determine that you will kill him. If God still needs him, no witch can kill him. No witch. That one doesn't pray for long life. You can stone him and leave him for dead. He will get up. A body keeps him alive. You can't mock him and he will become ashamed. No. Even if it looks as if his body is doing him somehow, he will enter into his cave and he will call upon the one whom his heart loves. Huh. One person went to comment somewhere and he said, all these people that say that they are miracle workers. He said, don't trust a, a, a so-called healing evangelist that wears glasses. Hmm, I laughed. Ask them. Oko Polytechnic, the guy brought out his glasses and broke it with his two hands. Oko Polytechnic. Where's Anoa? Am I lying? Broke it, broke it with his hands. God opened his eyes, cleared his eyes. The one that was preaching was wearing glasses. Then I go to my room and I say, Lord, Tears even fall from my own eye and I say, Heal this eye, Lord. And the Lord said, Glory. Glory. <laughs> but I will wake up the next day, move to the next station, and I say, I see. And the eye will open. My own, I need glasses. You think I care? You can say whatever you want to say. But like I always tell you, when we die, we will know who truly lived. When we die. When we die. Driven by another appetite. Driven by another government. Driven by another passion. The body controls how she spends her money. The body controls how she lives her life. Her body is consecrated to God on the basis of a body. I pray that such young people will rise in worry. That when you are walking on the streets, you are walking with a body. God deliver this territory. Next year, I pray that we will go to one of the river Rhine places. You will see that we have not started work. Just go to the river Rhine. Sad things I heard this week. Sad things. A woman went to see a prophet. Eh? While the prophet was counseling her in his, in his office, her husband was in the lobby. He began to have sex with her. Her husband was sitting in reception. The woman, the man was sleeping with her. Now somebody will say, Na charm, na charm. How come charm they work on you? How come? How come? You like this. You met Jesus. Have you not heard that there is no divination against Jacob? No enchantment against Israel. He said, I will step upon serpents and scorpions and they shall by no means no 
burdens. Everybody is a man of God. You are, you, are, you are under pressure for somebody to see for you. When will your own eyes open? When will you begin to receive messages? Communications from Jesus? When? That's why the false prophetic is, is thriving in, in the south-south. Go everywhere in the south house. False, false prophets everywhere. And it's not because the false prophets are powerful. It's because the people, there's something wrong with the kind of people we are raising. It's a law of supply and demand. Because there is market for them. That's why they are thriving. The day the market dies, they will go out of extinction. I pray that the Lord will put a genuine burden upon your heart. That something will begin to drive your life. I don't have time to talk about Jeremiah. If I enter into Jeremiah, I will start weeping. So I want to avoid it. Nothing affects my life like Jeremiah. Nothing. His ministry is God that sent him and God made sure he suffered. Suffered, tied him hand and foot and put him in a well. out at one place he said lord you have deceived me and i was deceived he didn't want to do ministry look at amos go and read about amos that's how amos was mocked in his own ministry amos give me amos 7 14 and 15 amos 7 14 and 15 amaziah came to meet him and was trying to encourage him. Amos. He said I was no prophet. Nor was I a son of a prophet. But I was a sheep breeder. And a tender of sycamore fruit. I was nobody. God just came and put affliction on my soul. I didn't go looking for it. He just came and put a button. Go to 15. Then the Lord took me. As I followed the flock. And the Lord said to me. Go and prophesy to my people Israel. It's not something I chose. The body chose me. Elisha was busy doing his business quietly. Elijah just came and cast the body upon him. The man had to sell his oxen, sell everything. You see, when I tell you here that I'm ready to waste for Jesus, it's not a cliche. I'm not trying to be emotional. This life has no meaning outside of the burden. This life. 
has no meaning. The day God tells me that he no longer needs me, my only concern will be my wife and children. That's all. If not the day I'm no longer needed, I don't want to be here. This life, I have found out that the only way I can find peace and joy is to labor with him. I'm a co-laborer. In these three parts of this teaching, I'm trusting God to raise men that will stand with me and say, God, if it's our life you want, take it and give to take, take worry. Take worry. Last thing, how do you receive a body? How do you receive a body? Oh, Lama Kopele Maya. Oh, here I am. Down on my knees. Surrendering all. Surrendering all. Find me here, Lord, as you draw me near. I'm desperate for you. Yes, we
Barakavina. Vesala Bolemane Kobilati. Oliveriano Kebilade. We are going to pray shortly. Let me just put those two things in your spirit and we continue to pray. That's the song for tonight. Here I am down on my knees, surrendering all, surrendering all. Find me here as you draw me near. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. Most times the reason God doesn't invite men into his bedchamber and begin to communicate his burdens to men is because men are not desperate for him. The average Christian, money will satisfy him. His pursuit of God will end if God blesses him financially. The average Christian, she gets married this week, her pursuit of God will die. God sees all of us. He knows exactly what will satisfy us. He knows when we are pretending that it's him we want. Meanwhile, what we actually want is to be satisfied in this realm. So sometimes the reason God withholds certain things from us is so that he will keep you on the journey. He knows the minute he gives it to you, your quest will end. So the only way to keep you pursuing, keep you hungry, keep you desperate, is that he will withhold it from you. Not because he's punishing you, but because he loves you. He doesn't want to lose you. He doesn't want to bless you and lose you. He will withhold it. How do you receive a body? There are two basic ways. The first way you can receive a body is that God will invite you into a council meeting. He will invite you. That's what happened to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was doing ministry. He was busy thinking that it was the best thing that had happened to Israel since sliced bread. He was thinking that he had a great ministry. And then all of a sudden, King Uzziah died. It seems that the death of King Uzziah was just to create a historical map to show us when it was that Isaiah's ministry truly began. It's not that Uzziah was, was preventing Isaiah from seeing anything. I know we use it to pray in church, but that's not what that scripture means. That scripture was just to provide a historical account. That Isaiah's ministry began the year Uzziah died. That's when he truly saw the Lord. And what happened to Isaiah is that Isaiah was invited into a meeting. He heard the counsel. Whom shall we send? And whom will go for us? If not for Isaiah, we will not know that such council meetings hold from time to time. How many times have that meeting held and no man on the earth was able to say, Here I am. How many times did they close that meeting and they found out that there was no man in the earth 
whom the Lord could impregnate with a body. So they needed to wait for the next council meeting. Hoping that between then and the next meeting, a man would have emerged. As we begin this week on Monday, may you be the man that God is looking for. May sisters rise from this place who are an answer to a cry on the heart of God. On site, online. May you be the one that the heart of God has been yearning for. In Africa, in North America, in South America, in Nigeria. Isaiah said, huh? How can I hear such a thing? A burden generated in his heart. He said, here I am. Notice that nobody forced him to respond. The question was not addressed to him. Eh? He just heard it. So he, he get crashed into the meeting and shouted, Here I am. Send me. He said, Okay, you are ready. Then he took hot coals. Hot coals. He said, We can't send you like this. We must do something to you that will totally alter your life alter you forever that you will never recover from such an encounter do you know that's what circumcision is when god circumcises you spiritually eh? he will make sure that that circumcision never heals because every circumcision for a man will affect the way you walk that's what dina's brothers used to deceive an entire people and killed all of them shechem and his family because they, they are not yet healed from their circumcision. So they could not fight wars. When God circumcises you. And that circumcision does not heal. It will be a consistent reminder that you are not your own. You are not your own. So one of the ways that God implicates you with a burden is that he will bring you to a council meeting. Another way he implicates you with a burden is that he will give you revelation from his word. Revelation from his word. Daniel chapter 9, you begin from verse 1. In the year that Darius was king, I, Daniel, understood how? By the books. The reason Daniel captures it that he understood is that it is possible he had been reading that thing for long. But that was the year that he grabbed what? Understanding. It means that the eyes of his understanding was enlightened. That's an activity of the Holy Ghost. You read something and the Holy Ghost now begins to use it to afflict you with a body. Look at it now. You see, I understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he will accomplish 70 years in the dissolutions of Jerusalem. Three. Then what? I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayers, supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. That's how you know it was a body. The body afflicted him. I'm seeing a young lady in the congregation. You have a ministry to young women. Young women. The Lord just began speaking to my heart. That the reason you've been through the things you have been through is because he wants to use your life to save many young women. The true testimony, this lady should listen to me, I'm not trying to be emotional. The true testimony of your life, see what he's saying, is not your past, it's your future. 
There's a lady here. It's not your past. It's your future. Your past is riddled with such immorality that you are ashamed to share. Ashamed to share. Bring her. But the true testimony of your life is your future. Is your future. Hmm. Bring her. Let me just lay hands on her. Bring her. Hmm. Why the ushers are trying to bring her here? The third way you receive a burden is that the Lord can put the message in the mouth of a man. Some of you that are listening to me now, what you are receiving is not words. What is coming to your heart is fire, is a burden. I'm afflicting you with something that is beyond words. Beyond words. In Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah tells us a story. He said his brothers came from Jerusalem. One was Hananiah or Hanani. Holy Spirit, give to this life what you have promised. Such an anointing. Oh my God, the glory is so heavy upon you. Ay, 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 ay. It's done. He said he now, he now inquired of his brothers. He inquired of Hanani. Hanani. He said, how be the people, the captives that returned? Who survived captivity? He inquired. Go to verse 3. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Look at what happened. So when I heard these words, then I sat down and wept and mourned for what? Many days. When a man tells you many days, it's because he can no longer count. He could not keep record. Many days! He was mourning. He now explained to us what his mourning was so that you think that you don't mistake it that somebody died. He said, I was fasting and praying before who? For many days. Some of you, what I'm doing to you now is initiating you into a consecration that will provoke God's destiny in your life. You will go back and you will just find out that there is no appetite for food. Mm. No appetite for entertainment. No appetite for the casual things of this life. Bro, one scripture broke me down for days. Jeremiah chapter 2. He said, what iniquity have your fathers found in me? That they have forgotten me for many days. What iniquity? Tonight I've run out of time. What you are going to tell the Lord tonight is, here I am. Burden me with your burdens.
Rise on your feet and pray. Burden me with your burdens. Burden me with your burdens. If you need to invite me to a council meeting, invite me. If you need to show me from the book, show me. If you need to, to use this message I'm hearing tonight to put a fire on my heart. Lord, I am here. Burden me with what burdens you. will not motivate you to pray if there is no cry in your heart I can't help you somebody tell him Lord I surrender Ba 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 
willing to die for you how did you make Noah I refuse to be a victim of compromise I refuse to be afflicted by the corruption that afflicts my age Lord tonight I surrender my body I surrender my money I surrender my time I surrender my life I'm desperate oh God I am desperate pray for two more minutes two more minutes the Lord is impregnating people with burdens. I see it like fire growing in people's hearts. Your soul is being consumed. Your spirit is being consumed like a rushing wind. Like a rushing wind. Like a rushing wind. Like a rushing wind. The Lord, He comes to you. He comes to you! He comes to you! Don't be ashamed of your tears! Don't be ashamed of your tears! Don't be ashamed of your tears! Cry out! Cry out! Cry out! Like a mighty
There are some of you the Lord is placing his hand upon you. He's giving you a physical sign. Some of you, heat will be on all over your body. It will be like fire. 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 The Lord places his hand on sight online. There's someone watching me online. You lost your passion for God. That's what the Lord is telling me. You lost your passion for God. But it's returning now. It's returning now. Like a bolt of lightning. The Holy Ghost will hit you where you are. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are carrying this fire home. You are carrying home. You cannot be ordinary. You can't live carelessly. You can't live anyhow. You are a co-laborer with Jesus. A co-partner with the Christ. Your life is an excuse for God to deliver a people. An excuse for God to deliver a nation. An excuse for God to deliver your family. An excuse for God to deliver worry. Deliver your campus. Deliver your secondary school. Your life is an excuse. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I know the burden to pray is strong. But we must close. Raise your hands. And I want you to sing this song from your spirit. Sing it. If media could help us, but I don't think they have the time to type it out. But just sing it from your spirit. Here I am, solemn, down on my knees, surrendering all, surrendering all. Find me here, find me here, Lord, as you draw me near. Lord, as you draw me near. near. I'm desperate for you. Desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. Do that one more time. Here I am. Here I am. Down on my knees again. Sing from your spirit. You will not know what will hit you. What will hit you. Mean what you are singing. Mean it. Lord, as you draw me near, Lord, as 
Lord, you draw me there. I'm desperate for you. Minutes, minutes from your heart. I'm desperate. of God are so intense in this house.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Carry that weight in your spirit. I wish this was our permanent structure. Some people would have liked to stay here and just pray. Because what I feel upon me tonight is Can you bring out your offerings quickly? Bring out your offerings quickly. We must close the service. But this atmosphere is following you home. It's following you home tonight. Following you home tonight. Bring out your offerings quickly. If you are one that likes to do transfers online, on-site, the account details are on the screen. I saw my friend from the Glorified Family Church. I think Pastor Kelechi is around. Pastor Kelechi, just, just wave. Can we make him welcome? He's laboring in the city. A wonderful man of God. You are welcome. We recognize you. Please bring out your offerings. Don't lose the ambience of this atmosphere. Don't lose it. Give your offerings. God will be working on people. Just make sure that you stay focused. These are the kind of nights I wish it was a vigil. So, because if I tell you the cloak I'm wearing now in the spirit is a heavy garment of the prophetic. A heavy garment. But we must close. Must close. Lord Jesus, we bless you. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. Father, we bless you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Like, like our Father said, um, because of time, um, if today just happens to be your first time, just can you be seated for two minutes? Just for two minutes, we are closing immediately. Just make sure you 
you, you keep the flow of that presence in your spirit. If today happens to be your very first time to worship with us here at the ROCN tent, can you just wave? Just wave. Can you just, can you just be on your feet if you can, just for the next few minutes? Can we celebrate them? Certain persons are just trying to get to you. They'll give you a form so that you feel. Um, just feel it. And once we are done, just come forward.